0: Hello, I'm Jacob Krueger, and this is the Write Your Screenplay Podcast. This week, we're going to be looking at Cobra Kai, and specifically, we're going to be talking about the concept of hook. Hook is one of those kind of all-powerful tools when you're a screenwriter, um, because hook is not just how you sell scripts, it's not just how you write scripts, it's how you get jobs. when you start off in your career, most writers think, Oh my God, this is the idea. You know, I've got this top secret idea that only I've thought of that nobody else has even thought to do. I've got this piece of IP that nobody else knows about. I've got this book, I've got this novel, I've got this true story that happened to me. I've got this crazy thing that came to me in my dream, right? We, we have this brilliant idea and we get really stuck on it. We think the idea is the thing that sells. But as you get more advanced, as you start to actually live in this industry, you start to realize that ideas, not only are they a dime a dozen, ideas tend to kind of make the rounds. In fact, that really unique idea that you have that nobody else ever thought of, there's a good chance that actually somebody else not only has thought of it, but has written it, has circulated it around Hollywood. And people have said no to it. It's very rare that you see a a new idea. And yet, people do buy this project and not that project. And so it's important to understand is, what are they buying? It's not actually the idea. It's the hook. So what's hook? Hook is your unique take on the idea. Hook is, I found this incredible piece of IP, and this element of it spoke to me. And I saw it a little different than everybody else. Hook is, this dream came to me. And I saw this kind of unique take on it, this little twist on it. Hook is the thing that makes you, you. And Hook is the way you find yourself in what you're writing. And so when you're thinking about Hook, don't think about Hook as selling out. Think about Hook as a way of entertaining yourself by finding little fun ironic twists, by finding things that you didn't see coming when you first had the idea. In television writing, Hook becomes even more complicated because Hook right? Your unique take on the material gets connected to this idea called engine, right? And engine is the elements and the way those elements are put together each episode and each season to create the same feeling and the same hook again and again and again, to create something that feels the same, but is also different. So we're going to be talking about where hook meets engine. We're going to be talking about how to find your hook, And we're going to be talking about what to do if you lose it. Um, You would think once you had a good hook that you would never lose it, right? Once you had that amazing take on new material that you would hold on to it like your life depended on it. But if you're a feature film writer, guaranteed you have done a draft where somehow you lost track of that great idea. Where somehow you realize, huh, that's funny. I wrote a different movie. Or you realize, wow, that idea's there, but I've got secondary characters and subplots that are kind of gumming up the works and taking away from it. In TV, it gets even more complicated because often you start off so strong and the hook is totally working and the engine is totally working. But as you get deeper into your seasons, the characters start to change. And when the characters start to change, sometimes that hook that was working at the beginning stops working. And when that happens, your show starts to feel different. (laughs) I'm laughing right now. I don't know if you can hear behind me, but the wind, it's like gale force winds behind me. So if you hear things whipping around, it's just a little bit of Wizard of Oz happening in the background right now as I record this. Um, so, okay, so in a way Cobra Kai is like the classic work for hire project in a way Cobra Kai is exactly what happens for most screenwriters in the industry, right? We always want to think like, I'm going to sell my big spec script and that's going to launch my career. And for some writers, that's true. But for many writers, the spec script or the spec pilot is actually just the way you get hired onto the show. It's just the way you get hired onto the project. And most of the work today in Hollywood is work for hire work and rewriting work where some producer has an idea that didn't even come from you. Where some producer has an old piece of IP that nobody wants anymore like the Karate Kid. And they're looking for a unique hook. They're looking for a unique take on the material. They already have the idea. They know they want to do a remake of the Karate Kid, but they don't want it to feel exactly the same. It can't just be the Karate Kid again. It's got to have a hook. And so your hook is where you bring you to the karate Kid, it's where you entertain yourself it's where you go oh i got this idea this piece of material this book but this is how i want to adapt it these are like the wonderful twists and turns that only i would think of this is the feeling that i want the show to have so cobra kai's got a fabulous little hook and it's so simple and in fact every single element of cobra kai just grows out of this hook In a way, you can think of hook as just the process of adding ironic twists to a really good idea. So, here's the first part of the hook. Okay, we know it's the Karate Kid, right? We know we're really just remaking the Karate Kid as a TV show. But we want it to feel like today, not like 1983. So, all of Cobra Kai basically boils down to one really simple hook. Which is, what if we told the Karate Kid from the perspective of the bad guy. What if the bad guy was the good guy and the good guy was the bad guy? What if from Johnny's point of view, Danny LaRusso ain't the hero. Danny LaRusso is the antagonist. So from Johnny's point of view, it looks a little bit like this. This is what the Karate Kid looks like. Here I am, kid in high school, I'm dating the love of my life, Allie, this girl that I literally, literally will never get over. And this new kid moves to town and he's such a jerk. The very first thing he does is he steals my girlfriend. Literally, the first thing he does when he moves to town, he steals my girlfriend, the love of my life. This kid's such a jerk. I'm trying to celebrate Halloween. And the dude hoses me down in the shower and humiliates me in front of my friends. This dude is such a jerk. He, in the most important karate tournament of my life, he defeats me with an illegal kick. And it doesn't just ruin my karate career, it ruins my relationship with my mentor, John Creese, like the one person I respect in the world. This guy is such a jerk that nothing has worked out in my life ever since. That's Johnny's point of view. And in fact, what's fun is, this is actually the point of view of almost every antagonist, almost every antagonist in the world. If you ask them, who's the good guy? They go, oh my God, it's, it's me. If you ask Lex Luthor, who's the good guy? You'll go, oh my God. Lex Luthor, the good guy. Let me tell you about Superman. What a jerk, right? So, what's really fun is, we're gonna step into Johnny's point of view. And the hook is gonna come from the fact that Johnny thinks he's the good guy and Danny's the bad guy. And we're gonna age him up, right? We're gonna watch this show and it's happening now. It's happening today. And so, we know we want 80s nostalgia, right? That's why we're making the show, because we miss 1983 when things were simple, or at least when we thought they were, right? We miss the Karate Kid. We miss that feeling of childhood. Just like we enjoyed in Stranger Things, that 80s nostalgia, we want that 80s nostalgia. Okay, cool. But we're not gonna get that 80s nostalgia like we do in Stranger Things. Instead, the 80s nostalgia is going to grow out of the hook. You see, for Johnny Lawrence, since that karate tournament happened, literally nothing else has happened. Johnny Lawrence is still stuck in 1983. He still hasn't gotten over any of it. And in fact, where's the humor? of Karate Kid gonna come from? It's gonna come from the fact that for Johnny Lawrence, it still is 1983. Johnny still has a cassette player in his car. And guess what, when he gets a new car, he has a brand new cassette player installed. The gag, the joke, the humor comes from the fact that neither Johnny nor anybody else in this show has moved on at all since the Karate Kid happened. And so we're going to experience nostalgia through Johnny's inability to move on. So you can see we've got that sweet 80s nostalgia, but we've got a little dark, darker twist on it, a little more messed up twist on it. Um, so first element, what if we watch from the bad guy's point of view? The good guy's the bad guy. The bad guy's the good guy. What if... Johnny Lawrence hasn't moved on from the 80s. In fact, the only two things that seem to have happened to Johnny Lawrence since 1983 are, number one, he got married, but it didn't work out. You know why? Because he was in love with Allie. Number two, he had a kid, and it didn't work out. You know why? Because he's a really bad father. These two events have happened. He got married. He lost his wife. He lost his kid. But other than that, his life ended when he peaked in high school. And for him, it is still 1983. And nothing has changed. And why did all this happen? Because of frickin' Danny LaRusso, that horrible kid who ruined his life. So meanwhile, you got Danny LaRusso. And Danny, of course, is living the perfect life. So you can see this is just, you find one one ironic little twist, and you find another little ironic twist, just building one little ironic twist off of the next. So for Danny, Danny's life is perfect! He runs an auto dealership! He's the richest dude in town, and it's not just about money. It's the love of automobiles that Mr. Miyagi instilled in him. He's got a perfect wife. He's got a lovely daughter. He's got a son who's never in the show. His life seems freaking great. In fact, his life is everything that Johnny Lawrence thinks he should have had. And Danny is a really sweet guy. Except kinda like Johnny, Danny hasn't gotten over the 80s either. And so What's really fun is because neither of these dudes have gotten over it. Danny keeps on acting like the bad guy. Because he's so upset about Johnny, Danny keeps acting like the bad guy. He actually keeps on falling into the role of being the antagonist. So Danny becomes the bully. Johnny becomes the sweet kid who's getting picked on everything's twisted inside out and it's all growing out of that original premise. Let's take the Karate Kid and just twist it inside out. In fact, the plot of Cobra Kai also grows out of the Karate Kid. So here's the plot. What happens in the Karate Kid? Sweet little Ralph Macchio shows up, gets picked on, falls in love, steals the wrong guy's girl, Gets his butt beat, learns karate, becomes a different person, a better version of himself. That's the karate kid, right? So what happens in Cobra Kai? Well, there's a new Danny LaRusso in town. There's a new karate kid in town, and his name's Miguel. And just like the first karate kid, Miguel arrives with a really cool mom and no chance of surviving high school. And his neighbor, Johnny Lawrence, for whom nothing has happened since 1983, sees that this kid's a little nerd who's getting his butt kicked. And he decides, you know what? I'm gonna take this kid under my wing. In fact, you know what? I'm gonna bring back Cobra Kai so I can change this kid's life. So I can stop him from getting his butt kicked. So you see, It's basically, ah, what if the Karate Kid had found Cobra Kai rather than Mr. Miyagi? And you can already see the fun that's going to come from that. So, instead of the Danny LaRusso Mr. Miyagi character being the mentor, we got Johnny as the mentor. And Johnny... Johnny's values ain't changed since Cobra Kai, which means Johnny's really messed up. But oddly, next little ironic twist, even though he does the most messed up stuff, even though he does everything that you should never, ever, ever do if you're a sensei, all of his lessons start to work, both for Miguel and for Miguel's friends. And pretty soon, Johnny Lawrence is the king of the nerds. And he's transforming these nerds into kids with confidence. Except because he's Johnny Lawrence, they are also becoming the next generation of bullies. So you can see the fun here and the moral complication and the like, slightly more twisted version of the Karate Kid. Meanwhile. Seeing this happen, what does Danny do? Danny decides he has to destroy Cobra Kai once and for all, which is why he starts his own dojo, Miyagi-Do, for the sole purpose of putting Cobra Kai out of business. You see, he's being the bad guy. So all these kids whose lives are transformed by Johnny Lawrence, right now they're being threatened by the evil bully Danny LaRusso who's trying to bring his hippie Miyagi shit and ruin their lives. You can see it's just the Karate Kid inside. Ow. And this hook works perfectly for almost the entire first season. In fact, to generate episodes forever, all you have to do is figure out What's the totally messed up thing that Johnny Lawrence is going to teach his students? How does this totally messed up thing actually work, but also not work on the moral level? How is Danny trying to do the right thing? But how does his trying to do the right thing lead him to acting like a jerk? And as long as you keep doing that forever, you can generate episodes of Cobra Kai forever. And every episode of Cobra Kai, this is the engine, this is the connection between hook and engine, every episode of Cobra Kai is gonna feel the same. It's gonna feel badass and funny and nostalgic and twisted and dark and fun. It's gonna feel like the Karate Kid, inside out. In fact, by the time we get to the end of the first season, not only has has Danny become the antagonist to Johnny, he's actually replayed the events of the original Karate Kid. He has stolen the one person that really matters to Johnny. In the Karate Kid, it was Ali, the girl. In Cobra Kai, he's stolen his son. He's become the mentor. To Johnny's long-lost estranged child, the only person Johnny really wants to reconnect with in the world. So you can see, where does the engine come from? Where does the hook come from? It comes from the existing material. It's just giving the events of the existing material, a little twist to make them feel like Cobra Kai instead of the karate kid. It's just finding one layer of irony after another, after another, after another, But the engine just grows out of that initial hook, right? Once you know it's the Karate Kid inside out, it's the Karate Kid from Johnny's perspective, you know, okay, then I just give this a twist and this a twist and this a twist and this a twist. How does it all look like from Johnny's perspective? How does each element of the engine serve that wonderful, simple hook? So this works through almost the entire first season. And then what happens is a little problem which is Johnny is changing. In the process of mentoring these kids, Johnny's kind of getting his act together. Johnny's kind of developing some sensitivity. Johnny's kind of turning into a nice guy. And if Johnny turns into a nice guy and stops doing messed up shit, Cobra Kai is gonna stop feeling like Cobra Kai. So the writers, being smart, go, "Uh uh-oh, we're in trouble. And they pull what seems like a smart move. Okay, if Johnny Lawrence is starting to turn into Mr. Miyagi, then we need a new John Kreese. We need a new evil sensei to be the good guy. Well, what about the initial sensei? What if we bring John Kreese back? So here's what happens at the end of season one. John Kreese is back. He's back to make sure that Johnny Lawrence keeps on doing fucked up shit. Because without John Kreese, Johnny Lawrence is gonna turn into Mr. Miyagi. And if Johnny Lawrence turns into Mr. Miyagi, the show ain't gonna work. (laughs) Okay, so we get to season two and we think it's gonna work, except we got a problem, which is they don't know what the hell to do with John Kreese. Because John Kreese is just kind of standing around looking menacing. They don't really know what to build yet. And remember, what we're trying to create here is not a feeling of dread about the psychopath next door who might do anything. What we're trying to do is create that feeling of fun about the twisted guy whose values are all fucked up but who's really trying to do the right thing. So you can see at the beginning of season two, things get messy. And as we get deeper into season two, the challenge is becoming worse and worse because Cobra Kai is starting to feel like the Karate Kid. See, it's not just Johnny Lawrence who's getting his act together. It's also Danny LaRusso. Both of them are starting to put the past behind them. Both of them are starting to figure out real Miyagi values. Both of them are starting to become really good guys and really good senseis. And if that happens, Cobra Kai don't feel like Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai feels like the Karate Kid. In fact, there is an episode early in Season 2 where you're watching the Cobra Kai kids do their training and you're watching the Miyagi kids do their training and you want to think, oh, I get it. Johnny Lawrence's training is really messed up and Danny LaRusso's training is really Mr. Miyagi style. But what you're actually seeing is Johnny's kids are in a cement truck and Danny's kids are on a balancing platform in the middle of a pond and the two senseis are basically doing the same thing. You can't actually even tell the difference between them anymore. And uh-oh, the piece is frickin' broken. And the writers, the writers, realizing this, do what almost every writer does in the situation where they realize, oh my God, we've completely lost our hook. We've completely lost our engine. We've allowed the character changes to destroy what makes our show feel like our show. They panic. And when writers panic, they tend to do the same silly thing which is when writers panic, they look for drama. So how do they look for drama? Well, in the season finale, we are going to see some of the most badass karate we've ever seen in a high school. And at the end of the sequence, poor little Miguel is going to be paralyzed. Well, what? And suddenly Cobra Kai doesn't feel like Cobra Kai. We were watching this fun, silly show And suddenly we're watching Friday Night Lights. Suddenly we're in TV drama land. And yeah, we got a, wow, I didn't expect that season end, but the show doesn't feel like the show anymore. And that means we're in trouble because you didn't come to Cobra Kai to cry. You came to Cobra Kai to laugh your ass off. And now we don't feel even like the Karate Kid anymore. It doesn't feel like sweet, schmaltzy, Karate Kid 1980s Nostalgia. It feels like a sad drama about a kid who might never walk again. So as we enter season three, we are fucked. Cobra Kai feels like Friday Night Lights. We're watching, we're wondering, is Miguel going to deal with it? Is Miguel going to ever walk again? We're watching the kids deal with their grief. And we're wondering, is this show ever going to get on track again? And here the writers do a smart thing, and this is how you find your engine. When writers are scared, when things aren't working, we almost always look outside of ourselves, right? We imagine, oh, it must be the next great idea. It must be that thing that's out there that I haven't figured out yet. Maybe I need to write my friends and ask for ideas or thoughts or clues, right? But the answer is rarely out there. The answer is always in here. The answer is always about going back to the original material. If you're in an early draft, just go back to what's the best stuff in that early draft and say, how do I do more of that in a different way? If you're working on a TV show, go back to what worked in the early episodes. And how do I go back to doing more of that? The answers are never out there. The answers are always in what already exists, what what already is beautiful. That's where the engine really lies. It's always about coming back to your initial hook, not the hook for them, not the hook that you sell people, the hook for you. The hook that made you want to write this thing in the first place, the you, the you in the script. And of course, this is true in life too, right? If your life isn't quite working, if your life isn't going where you want to go, we often think like we got to burn it all down or we got to make the huge decision or we have to make the huge change, right? We have to become a completely different person. We got to reach for the drama. No, we don't have to do any of that. What we actually have to do is we have to start to take stock, not of not, not of what's not working, but actually what is. And then we have to start to ask ourselves, okay, how do I do more of that? How do I double down on that hook? What hooks me in my life? What hooks me in my art? How do I do more of that and more of that? How do I double down on that? Or how do I build the structure in my life that's going to bring me back to the stuff that was working in a different way? way so what works in the karate kid well it's back to that simple engine right johnny's got to do the most effed up things and they've got to work and danny's got to do the sweetest kindest things with the best intentions and he's got to keep on acting like a jerk he's got all the things that danny does have to not work and all the things that johnny does that shouldn't work have to work And so the writers go back to that and they realize, oh, it's not about the drama. It's not about the big things. It's about the little things. What messed up thing does Johnny Lawrence need to do? And they come up with a great idea. Johnny Lawrence needs to teach Miguel to walk. Why? Because watching Johnny Lawrence, who doesn't understand that Miguel cannot walk, try to cure him with good old 80s montage sequences is going to be effed up and hilarious. And so we're going to watch this sequence where Johnny's trying all these exercises to make Miguel walk and Miguel keeps falling on his face. And Johnny, when anybody else would go, maybe the kid needs a doctor. Johnny just keeps on doubling down. And of course because it's Cobra Kai, it freaking works. And now suddenly we are back on that engine again, we are back on that hook again. So this is the thing that I want to leave you with and it's gonna be so valuable for you. It's gonna be valuable when you're writing your first draft and you go, well, what's that? What's that wonderful thing there? What's the cool thing? What's the hook of this character, the hook of this moment, this hook of this scene? How do I do more of that? How do I build on that? What's the next little twist on that? It's going to help you when you get your first staff writer job and you're in the room and you're scared and you know the first thing you say, it better be a good thing, right? It better land on the showrunner. You're gonna think, well, what's the hook? What's the engine of the piece? What makes it work? And how do I do more of that? You're, you're gonna use this when you get staffed on a show that's been running for five years and the writers are tired and the engine seems to be burning out and suddenly everyone's getting cancer and dying, right? Because they're trying to find drama. You're gonna be the one who says, no, 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 it's not about that. It's about what were we doing in season one? And how do we come back to that in a different way? It's gonna benefit you when you're a showrunner for the first time. It's gonna benefit you when you're a development executive, when you're a producer on a show. It's gonna benefit you when your own writing just isn't working and you don't know why when you feel like you lost the lightning in a bottle that you had for a moment, when the feeling of your show starts to change. It's going to benefit you when you have to go into a room and pitch the same idea that everybody else is pitching in a way that feels slightly different, that feels more like you. And that concept is really simple, which is that hook is really simple. And hook has absolutely nothing to do with pleasing other people or selling out or even selling anybody else. Hook comes from looking really closely at the material and going, what's the crazy messed up thing that would be really fun for me? What about this resonates with me? What hooks me? And what are all the wonderful little ironic twists I can build around that thing that I wanna make? That thing that hooked me to the material? Hook, like writing, is really just a radical act of trust. It's a radical act of trust in your characters. It's a radical act of trust in yourself. It's a radical act of trust to keep on coming back to not to the things that are broken and not to the things that are missing, but to the things that are actually working and asking yourself again and again and again, how do I build on that? I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If you would like to study with me, uh, there's a brand new way of doing it that uh, I'm so excited about. This is my baby. I've wanted to teach this class for so many years, um, and it's a master class starting up on April 11th. Um, The class uh, meets one Sunday a month, And what we do is really wild. We do a six-hour deep dive into some aspect of screenwriting or TV writing each class. So in one class, we might spend six hours just on a concept like hook, like we talked about today. We might spend six hours uh, just looking at the first page of a great screenplay. We might spend six hours looking at how to write for the inner eyes and hypnotize your reader with the way you put your words on the page. We might spend six hours on meditative writing, on seven-act structure, on engine. We might spend six hours analyzing one of your favorite films or one of your favorite TV shows. And what's really cool about it is that each topic, they don't come from me. They actually come from you. Each topic grows out of the unique needs and the unique questions of the writers in the class. And so we'll be attacking these questions with lectures, with discussions, with writing exercises, with breakout rooms, with feedback, with demos. It is going to be so much fun and I really hope that you can join me. So if you wanna check that out or any of our other classes, you can take them all online from the safety of your home you can visit my website, writeyourscreenfly.com.